first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherload. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Alright, Dennis, come out and play. How are you? Hello, hello. Who's this? Yeah, I'm doing well, Ty. Uh, how about yourself? Hmm. I'm in physical pain right now. It's kind of bad. I uh, got got a little. I had a couple too many drinks with my buddy the other day, and then we ended up uh, deciding it would be a good idea to like clear out his living room and have a wrestling match. And oh, uh, now my muscles are all just fucked up. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a nice nice weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I do have some sore muscles, but it's not from moving or wrestling. Uh, just <laughs> hit the gym uh, a few days ago. Also did work out. You know, gotta stay fit, even though you're you're sitting in front of a computer most of the time. So, you gotta do what you gotta do, eh? That's that's a good place to start because I, like, I think about this all the time, like with people that I work around or whatever. Is like that you, you find individuals with these really unsustainable, unhealthy lifestyles making video games, and that's not true of mm-hmm. everyone, but it's certainly true of some. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty surprised to see that most people that I encounter actually have a very healthy lifestyle or at least, you know, fit enough and, and not fit that, you know, stereotype when you see someone in someone's cellar, you know, <laughs> living <laughs> in your mom's basement, making video games. You also Luckily, uh, most of that is not true. So I think people are a bit more health conscious in general there than uh, your average American. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it depends where you uh, where you go. Of course, there there are some areas where you know the stereotypes are more prevalent than in other <laughs> places. But you know, I, I do like to think that yeah, we we like to to stay fit or at least you know try to. And I, I started working out like two years ago or something. That's when I decided like okay, I need to get off my lazy ass. Even though I'm not fat or anything, it's just you know you wanna you wanna stay fit. And, just so stay your, healthy. What's your routine? What do you do? Uh, the three main things that I do is just go for a run uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and try to, to get to five kilometers as fast as you can. Um, some x sessions, which are easy to do from home, especially since the quarantine. Uh, you know, the, the gyms were closed for a very long time, so you had to come up with something that you could do. And those kind of trainings can can easily be done in your uh, your own bedroom or whatever. You know, just have a little bit more space and do some um, some excore sessions and or bootcamp sessions, which are you know very uh, very good for cardio but also strength. Uh, and it doesn't really require any any tools or whatever. So that's good to do, and that's that's something that I've been doing for for two years now. 
Yeah. What's a boot camp session? Is that like push-ups, sit-ups, running? Yeah, it's it's basically anything high intensity training. Uh, so you have uh, a, a bunch of workouts that last thirty seconds, and then you switch to the next one, and you do that a couple of rounds, and then you switch it up and, and do push-ups, mountain climbers, um, you name it, it's in there, and it's just thirty minutes of non-stop action, and you know it, it's going to wreck your shit. <laughs> Yeah, I find that like uh, physical exercise is like directly correlated to my mental health. Like if I don't work out, I get depressed. Like period. And uh, yeah, so like my main game, like you said, was running. I've always been a big runner, um, at least for the past like six years or so. Mm-hmm. And I actually ran into some knee troubles, so I haven't been able to run lately. But um, yeah. In, in my house, I have all the shit, man. I have like kettlebells all over the place and I'm a, you know, I'm a big yogi, so I'm just crushing it lately, especially now that I'm working from home with the yoga sessions. I'll just get mm. up and like, oh, I'm tired. I'll go do an hour and then come back after a shower and get back to work. And I feel like motivated, 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 but yeah, revitalized. It's, it's really weird. Cause you think like, okay, you, you've do, you've done a workout and you're, you're dead. You know, and afterwards it's just, it's the end for you, but that's, that's not true. After a workout, you, you gain some momentum and it's all of a sudden you, you wake up again and you, you can go at it for a, for a bit. Yeah. You're and yeah. Just like you said, it's, it's good for your mental health as well. Uh, just to, you know, empty the mind and, and not worry about your, your daily struggles and, and work and whatnot. And yeah, it, it'll help you see things in perspective. So yeah, I, if, if there's anybody out there. Making games, not working out, pick it up and, and do it. You'll thank me later. <laughs> do you get the, the runner's high? Is it? I'm not sure if I uh, experienced that yet, but I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I, I can't say that I have. Not not yet. I, I definitely get it um, on like longer runs. Not, you know, if, if it's like a mile, you're not going to get to that point. But I've, no. I've done, you know, some that are just like, I, I don't know. I felt like punishing myself that day for some reason. <laughs> and I just like, you know, after you get like four or five miles out, you cannot think about anything anymore. You know, you're not, mm-hmm. your brain is physically not going, all your worries, whatever it is that you're supposed to be dealing with, uh, that's not important because you're worried about breathing and like not dying. Yep, yep. To do that. You hear the people that do like the, the ice bath thing or like the cryo chambers or whatever. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. like your body is act, is actually thinking that it's going to die. And yeah. so it just shuts down everything that's not important. And you don't want to do that all the time or too much, but like every once in a while, if you can get to that point, it's a good reset button and it works for me. Mm-hmm. it's been a while though since i've been able to like really get there it's it's hard to maintain because it, it takes time to you know to do your workouts and if you have other deadlines or whatever you know you you have to pass on on working out and and get that stuff out of the door um but every now and then especially if you if you go for a run you you gotta maintain you know like two three times a week um mm-hmm. in order for you to to progress and yeah, it's it's been hard for me to maintain that with you know doing X score as well and doing boot camp. Um, so you you feel like a, a small decline when you when you go running again. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the the last session that I did was seven and a half kilometers. I'm not entirely sure how that equates to miles, but I think it's somewhere around four four it's like three four four miles. and a half. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 
So yeah, then then you definitely get you know the idea of okay, where where's the exit? Where is the finish line? Because <laughs> I've had it. <laughs> it's but yeah, it's, it's good. It's it's definitely good to do. And I don't know I, when I see like Scumhead, I've seen pictures of his room where it's just like literally like Jack in the Box and McDonald's just everywhere but on his like covering his keyboards and he's working like that and i'm like dude we gotta get you we gotta get you up out and into the world <laughs> like jesus but that's why he's so productive is like that's his his goal some people are here for a good time not for a long time and i hope that he's here forever though yeah yeah, yeah. well you know power to you if you if you can live like that you know i know a, a bunch of people that you know drink two or three cans of monster each day and and i'm sitting here like hey man <laughs> Just one monster just knocks me out for the rest of the day, and I mean, it's it's not very healthy, you know. There's a lot of sugar in it, and ugh, I, I I just can't imagine how you would deal with the rest of your day with three of those cans in your body. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I drink uh, <laughs> I drink like half of a monster at Realm Steep because uh, mm. you know we, we were streaming and. I can't remember. What, I think it was like vodka. And I was like, I'll do a little, like a little mixed drink with this and see what it tastes like. And that was a huge oh, mistake. Nope. Uh, you could see a physical change in me somewhere about halfway through the show where I'm just like, my eyeballs are just glued open. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. I had a good time. All, yeah, all the, the, fir- the first Realms Deep was the same for me. There was this friend right. from Fred that came over and he um, he used to be a bartender. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he knows a, a bit about mixing drinks and all that stuff. And he was constantly egging me on like, Hey man, uh, you want another drink? You want another drink? I was like, Hey, come on, man, <laughs> calm down, calm down. But it's, it's good. You know, it's, it's a, it's a pretty nice show too. Now that we make that segue into realms deep. Yeah. <laughs> How did you like it this year? I guess it was the, like- the first for you, at least, you know, um, in, in front of the camera. I think the the first time you were you were around too, making all those uh, interviews with all these people, right? Uh, and and this one was a little bit different for you. Yeah, I, I actually flew out and was like there in the studio with everything, and I was a bit more involved in the entire process. I think just mm-hmm. because the first year it was sort of an accident that I ended up doing as much as I did. I, I I was supposed to just do the interviews, and but then I became like the you know the recruiter essentially, like go find all the games and. This year, it was honestly it was too big. There were too many games, but uh, because there was so much going on, I brought in Zach uh, from E One in One Magazine, who was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, "Go ham!" And I'm just going to focus on like me and Jahar, like figuring out how the show is going to work and pr- and producing content essentially. And so I did like I don't even want to know how like 17 interviews or something like that for Realms Deep. Not to mention the stuff that I was editing for bridge burner or you know i had like uncle had red eyes green dragon mm-hmm. and vince Steele all editing videos like it was a lot um, it, was it was definitely a lot i mean the the lineup was crazy i think it, how long was the show this year was it like two hours or something it's like four and a half more hours. yeah it was just plus stuff to the brim out. with yeah. with game content and it was basically barely any downtime even with the the, the live segments uh, i feel that they were uh less and, and less frequent than last year and mm-hmm. i liked it that i mean it it felt uh yeah. a, a lot um a lot like less less than last year it 
I think it was more like uh, we just had so much content and we were just trying to get through it quickly. So we weren't mm-hmm. trying to take up too much time, go, like, you know, with us just talking, yammering about bullshit. But I don't know, man. It was just a lot. It was, it was tremendous, though. I mean, I loved being in Albert and meeting everyone. And that was the best part, you know, going out to the movies and have a dinner and exactly uh, teaching Fred how to drive a fucking lawnmower for the first time in my life. <laughs> For real, <laughs> that's a whole story in itself. <laughs> it's it's uh it's been a, a nice week for me as well. When I was at, at the firm's Realms Deep, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seeing the guys in uh, in real life for the first time, uh, everyone was super welcoming, and you know, Denmark is, is such a nice place. You know, oh, yeah. good food. Uh, we we also went to the cinema. Uh, so yeah, good good times all around. So uh, here here's to the next one. <laughs> and I'm pretty Excellent. sure you'll uh, you'll you'll do some more editing and more interviews as well. Yeah, the I think the craziest thing was like I did not I was I don't think I was mentally prepared for how much Danish people drink. Mm. It was like it's a lot. I mean, I was like, holy shit, we're just gonna do this every day. I mean, I I like drinking. Don't get me wrong. You know me. I like lagers and I like mm-hmm. I like my alcohol. But good God, it's just everybody's just crushing beers at the end of every day, and this is insane. And obviously, it's a party kind of weak and like we're going out every day sure everything, but yeah, yeah but holy smokes and yeah but we had fucking great great beer there even like the local beer like the local lager is a tubor classic i like that it was pretty fun i think i had that one too as well yeah I, yeah uh, and then i i stayed at fred's place back then and you know there, there was at least one or two beers a day easily <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah. which is nice but you know got a gotta stop and and not go overboard because uh, I, I do have this little uh stomach condition that you know if i drink too much alcohol or you know drinks that have bubbles in them you know it it, it affects me and it, it just makes me feel like someone punched me in the stomach uh, <laughs> so i have a natural you know uh break on on those things but yeah i do i do like beers as I'm you starting, know <laughs> i'm starting to get to that age where it's like okay, you can't do that anymore. Like when I was, you know, 21 could drink all night, wake up the next day, go do PT fucking, you know, stand in line, get through the day. No problem. Sweat it all out. Now I'm just like, Oh fuck. What did I do? (laughs) I will never drink again. (laughs) You know, you wake up at, at the middle of the day and you're like, fuck, if I stand up now, man, it's not going well. So you stay in bed till like 5 p.m. or something, and then you slowly start to wake up, and, and oh, it's just a waste of your day. Oh, man, and and it, it lasts even even to, to the next day, and you're still like, you know, you can't sleep or, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's not good. But regardless, I had a great time. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. Mm-hmm. So... What's uh what have you been up to game dev wise? I mean, you've you showed me some really interesting uh like guns that you were creating earlier, which is, absolutely. Uh, um, I wish I could. I wish I could show this picture, but, <laughs> but it's no. so like you're you're just so talented, and I've I've been like kind of so. slowly waiting for you to come into the limelight a bit more since we met. I knew that you would get here someday, but how are you feeling now? Where are you at? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place in, um, in, in such a way that, you know, every, every now and then you get this art block where you want to create some art, but it just doesn't come naturally. You know, if you have to, to 
concept something of you know put something in in 3d or something or make a level or whatever you know it just doesn't come out and lately since since i joined 3dr and, and slipgate ironworks um, i was forced to to make more 3d models and textures and all that stuff uh, low fidelity high fidelity whatever you know it, it just got the engine pumping again and now i feel more confident again in, in creating artwork and and delivering within the, the the time frame that you're given so i've been working on on several projects now and you know those styles differ you know they go all over the place but you know each and every one is is one of my babies basically <laughs> and it's it's weird because yeah, you're just a small cog in the the whole machine, mm-hmm. uh, but it's 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 beautiful when you see something that you worked on come to life in in animations or whatever, you know. And it's especially nice if your product lands in people's hands and they could get to play with it, and you know they like the look and feel of it as well. That's uh, yeah, that's always a good feel. Yeah, it's kind of the the nature of what you do is create things that are not like the forefront of what the experience is right so like yeah you're creating all the little subtle details that like immerse you without thinking about it or necessarily appreciating what went into it but it's necessary right like if you if you don't have those little subtle things like like the reflection of the light on on the mm-hmm. gun barrel or you know something like that then i mean you don't have that full immersive true like just deep experience that you get um, it's a it's a fine line and a fine balance yeah. as well because you know a lot of things are taken for granted in mm-hmm. in a way that you know if you see a gun you know expect how it it shoots you know and eventually you you start to get used to it and um, then it doesn't become something that you you notice and I think environmental storytelling and or you know just some great shots in the environment they. Um, they last longer, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that people will pick up on. And that's, that's, yeah, that's a fine balance uh, to, yeah, to achieve that and, you know, see if your, your model actually has any effect on, on people or not, especially on, on, uh, you know, the, the lower fidelity type of games, you know, you, right. you want to create something from back in the day, uh, but you would still like to create something that was at the best at the very top of that time period. And that's that's always a challenge to do, but I still love it regardless if if people you know get to see it uh, a lot or not. It, it doesn't matter. It's still uh, wonderful to to contribute to a game that you would love to play yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's always a weird thing. It's like a, you get that a lot in my previous career field. Was just like I don't know if what I did today mattered at all, but I was there for twelve hours. And then you wake up the next day and you do it again and you never really get any feedback. And then one day somebody comes and tells you like, Oh shit, dude, that forecast you did like a month ago, you saved like a shitload of like money and people and resources. And like, you stopped a nuclear convoy from going down the road or some shit like that. I'm like, what? Yep. (laughs) You put out that warning. And I was like, Oh, ah, well, okay. And then I guess it's sort of the same, especially with the, like, as we're seeing you, get involved in bigger and bigger projects, they inevitably take longer to do. And there are a lot more people involved. And then, you know, it's kind of like that thing where actors, you know, when they're in a movie that took years to make, and then they sit down to do the promotional interviews and they're like, 
talking about something that they did, you know, in a past life, they're probably already acting on a three or four other projects by the time you sit down and talk to them about it. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it is odd. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge as well. Cause you know, uh, a lot of people at 3DR and Slipgate Ironworks are, you know, remote workers and most of them have a full-time job next to all this. Mm-hmm. So trying to fit everything in, 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 you know, the spare time that you do have is, is really a challenge too. And, and that's probably the same for those actors as well, because they're they're not working on one movie, you know, uh, in in their entire career. It's it's always like three or four projects simultaneously. Right. So yeah, it's it's definitely something that is interesting to do. I mean, it gets tiresome at some po- uh, point, you know, especially if your day job becomes uh, stale or uh, really uh, really hard to maintain. You know, people ask a lot of you. You you have to make sure that a lot of bigger customers are are tended to, you know, and you you get tired and. At, at night, you still have to do that extra part. However, um, that part is still pretty nice to do. You know, game dev is is rewarding in in and of itself. It is challenging, um, but it's it's still so fun to do. Even though uh, parts of it is is still work. You know, um, it's it's not all fun and games. There there's a lot of stuff in there that's just grinding, grinding. But it's it's so rewarding for yourself to see the end result, mm-hmm. um, and especially if it's a collaboration between multiple people. You see a level from a blockout stage, um, then you see it in a colorful stage. You know the the, the blockout has been replaced by brushes for you know let, let's say a quake level or something, and then come the details, the set dressing, uh, the enemies, the, the the weaponry, you know all that stuff. And when you see it all in motion. That's that's what you do it for. It's great. That's that's my runner's high. <laughs> <laughs> I get that, man. That's that's fucking beautiful. Like, what what are like some things that you're particularly proud of that you've worked on so far? Uh, I I don't think I have anything in particular that I would put above anything else. I mean, sure, there are some some projects and or models that come out nicer than than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because some of the the models just had some some more interesting concept art, or you know the execution just went went just well. You know, yeah, all the highlights are in the right places. You know, it pops. Uh, yeah, I can't really think of something in specific that that I would be really proud of. I think it just encompasses everything that I do for for all these different projects. Yeah. Are there is there a particular um, type of model or like something that you enjoy doing the most, like guns or vehicles or um, I don't know. Well, it, do you feel um, like you have an expertise? I guess I, I would say hard service. Okay. Hard service is probably something that I shine at, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can do multiple things, but it, it it just depends on on the the project and the mood. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, there, there's plenty of occasions where I had to restart a model two or three times because it just didn't work out. Um, sometimes you just have to step back, you know, uh, wait a day or something, reevaluate and, and get back on the horse. Um, but yeah, I would still say that that hard surface is, is probably my uh, my expertise. So what is it about hard surfaces? What make the because some of the people listening are not really going to be familiar. Like, what makes that difficult, and what makes you good at it? Well, in, in the, the low fidelity stuff, um, 
you are really dependent on, on lighting. Uh, so next to the lighting, you, you don't have anything in there that, you know, resembles any reflectance or whatever. You know, in these, these old games, you didn't have any specular maps, which uh, make sure that the material that you're trying to make is, is shining. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to fake it with uh, highlights of, of your own. And I've been practicing hand painting uh, my models for, for quite some time now. I was inspired by World of Warcraft at some point. And I wanted to do something similar and, and just went from there. Uh, so that experience really helped me, you know, determine where and where I can't place anything. So that's when, uh, yeah, all, all the, the hard server stuff, metals and all that stuff really uh, became my, my specialty. So I really like to, to make metal pop, even though there's no real reflections, uh, just some, some diagonal lines here and there. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything that, that we can show. I mean. Graven is, is out in early access, uh, mm -hmm. so there is some stuff that I worked on that the, yeah could probably be shown off at some point. Um, yeah, for, for Graven too, I've, I've done multiple things like creatures, critters, whatever. Um, I also did some character work. I've done some foliage. So yeah, it, it, it ranges. It, it's whatever the project needs at that point. Yeah. Uh, I find that when when you have people, especially in video games, but like artists, they usually have something that they just particularly like to do. Like so, uh -huh. Chuck Jones, right? Like he loves drawing monsters, and and he's also really really good at like that initial like iconic character design. Um, Absolutely, with you know G Man, like th these these really recognizable things. And Scumhead uh, to keep bringing him back up, but he's like I like making weird ethereal disgusting creatures like that you know he wants to put a vagina on a giant monster or whatever like that's just that's what he does but it's like an hr giger i guess kind mm -hmm. of um playing playing with your sensory because initially you know you see these monsters and you don't notice every little detail and then at some point when the fighting cools down a bit you're like oh man what was i just fighting this whole time I don't know. I don't even want to know. Never mind. Move on. <laughs> but, but evoking that reaction in people, I think, is why he does it, or at least that's what how it comes across to me. Yeah, um, I, I can definitely understand that if you have like a specific niche or you know like a, mm -hmm. a horror genre that that you're really really into, you know that's that's when uh, you can really shine and, and create something really spectacular. Uh, it's, I... it's it's not for for everyone though. I mean, it's it's not something that I would be particularly good at at least that in in coming up with ideas but yeah in executing them i, I could probably pull it off but yeah <laughs> it's it's not my main main thing i think i guess there's another thing that chuck said to me at one point in his career when he was working on like the the middle earth games and everything mm. he he it was part of a yeah i guess it's warner brothers you know at that point and he he said that basically his job was just making armor for the orcs and there's just years of just doing orc armor and it's like this it's not very rewarding not because he wasn't doing really good work i mean if you go mm -hmm. back and look at any of those games it's amazing work but it's just like you know i show somebody my portfolio and it's just years of orc armor and me not really flexing what i'm good at like how does that really translate into a you know getting a job and b like his own happiness and that's, I guess that's why he decided to move on from, at least from that particular point in his career. But yeah, especially yeah, it's, when it's good to, uh, to, to change it up every now and then. Cause if you mm -hmm. stick to one particular thing, 
um, that that's all you will be known for. And if that's right. the only thing that's on your portfolio, um, it is hard to get any other job other than doing the same thing that you have been doing. And if, even though you're good at making making armor and you can easily pull it off, you do need a break with all that stuff. You know, you need to do something completely different uh, just mm-hmm. to, to stay fresh. Because then, you know, the grind starts to, to, to sink in and uh, it's, it's not a good time for anyone. <laughs> have you ever seen the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall? No, no, can't okay. say I have. Well, you should see it and I won't spoil the plot or anything, but the the main character... Um, is a guy who's a musician, right? And he works on this television show that's like one of those like CSI true crime bullshit, like whatever. And his girlfriend is the star of the show. But it <laughs> he goes into the studio and he, they're like, okay, we need a track for this. And he starts playing this like really beautiful music. And they're like, no, 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 let's not do that. Can you just do what you usually do? And he's like, what? And they're like, you know, do something like dark and ominous. And he just like, hits the keyboard with like a bunch of like all of his fingers at one time and they're like that's a wrap perfect and he's just like what (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's like you're being paid to do the job and there's a difference between doing the job and doing the art and yeah you know every artist most i should say most artists don't want to just get paid to like accomplish a task they want to create and exactly yeah, I think that's pretty analogous. I don't know why that movie popped into my head, but it's such a good movie. Yeah, but it, it does display, you know, something that, that the artist would like to to express. You know, you wanna you wanna create something of yourself and, and put it into that artwork as well. Right. And it's it's not always as deep as this. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the 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 lowest level you can go is just, you know, portray your own style. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you know, it's, it's nice to, to actually make some art for something that you're really into, mm-hmm. you know, if you have to make something just because the, you know, the, the project requires you to, I mean, you can do it, but it's, it's not as rewarding as, you know, a, a piece of concept that, that really resonates with you. You know, once you, you have something like that, you can really go ham and, and I can guarantee you if that happens, you know, sparks will fly. And, you know, the end result will definitely show. And I just think it's like you get a better product if you're working with someone who's passionate about what they're doing. Just Absolutely. Like I, you can't yeah. try to you, – you, you can squeeze an apple, but you're never going to get orange juice out of that apple. You're just going to get apple juice. And so it's a very – especially from a project management standpoint, like I want to work with somebody who wants to be there, like yep. badly. And not like because they're desperate, but like because this is like awesome to them. Um, so like you, when you're, when you're looking at like for an artist or a musician and you have a project and it's like, this isn't really what they do. And you're mm-hmm. just trying to like talk them into working on like, can you, you know, like, can you, uh, draw like really accurate human looking characters? And that's not what they do. Like, no, I make monsters or I make, you know, aliens or that kind of thing. And it's, they're not going to be passionate about it and you're not going to get what you want out of them usually. And there are some people who are like jack of all trades. Like, that. Oh, I'll just do anything. But then sure. it's like, you know, and there, some of them are excellent, but to some extent, it's like, well, you're a master of none kind of thing. It's like, yeah, that's the the thing. If you're mediocre at everything, you know, that's, that's not good either. I mean, it's better to just be really good at one thing um, than to just, you know, do whatever and just be mediocre at everything. It's, it's not great. Or even really good at a few things. Like you want to be mm-hmm. like a Swiss army man to some extent, because you don't want, 
you don't want to be so good at just one thing and have no other skills to the point where you're like, yeah, right, well, we don't need, you know, like a, one of my favorite examples is like Jack Nicholson when he would like audition for movies, apparently like before he got really famous, mm-hmm. you know, he would show up and he would do his thing. And then they would be like, you know, we don't need you for this project, but when we need you, we're going to really need you. We'll call yeah, you yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Like he, he's so good at one thing. And, <laughs> And, that that is the downside to to that, yeah. yeah. And and you know, game development, especially for for artists too, is it's not always just one thing like creating the art. There there's most likely anything else uh, surrounding it, like uh, some some technical artwork, uh, making collisions for for models, or you know, putting it in engine, working with materials and all that stuff. So right. there's there's a lot more you know to shine at, I guess. But yeah, it, it can it can go all all ways, you know. You you can go into a specific direction and be really good at it, but you know, eventually you'll hit a ceiling uh, where you you can't find a job that easily anymore, just because you're locked to that specific uh, style or you know the uh, the specific work that is required. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 hard to to find the right balance in there. Uh, especially in, in terms of portfolios as well, because uh, mine in particular right now is is not in a great spot. Um, there's there's some artwork on there that's years old now, and it's it's no longer that relevant. Um, so it's it's probably good to <laughs> to clean it up at some point, uh, which is which is in, in 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 the planning. But you know, so far I, I can't really show anything. That we're we're making right now, so yeah, that, I was that, gonna say that like, the work is like, being postponed to later. But <laughs> two three years from now, you'll be like, look at all the shit I did. But it's like you're you have like this. You're at this point in your career where it's like everything that you're currently doing is now we can't really <laughs> say or show it off. Yeah, it, it's it's funny too because I've I've been at this spot uh, a couple of times. I mm-hmm. um, I started out years ago uh, as a, as a tester. Um, mm-hmm. at Guerrilla Games. Uh, I was testing for Killzone Liberation and, you know, I weaseled my way in uh, into the art department, just, you know, mm-hmm. doing some little bit of networking here and there and just, you know, showing off whatever I could do. So eventually I got in uh, with an art test, uh, started working on the expansion for Killzone Liberation, went on to Killzone 2 and then left the studio and then, you know, went to, to work for PlayLogic uh, worked on a uh, more of a, a comical kind of game, Fairy Tale Fights. Not sure mm-hmm. if you've ever heard uh, about that game. It was uh, about all these fairy tale characters, and you know the game was extremely violent, um, kind of like a button masher platform or whatever. It was super cool. Uh, unfortunately, that bombed too, you know, and eventually, you know, the career went downhill uh, up until the point where. You know, I, I could not find any work uh, in, in, in the local areas. Uh, so that would mean I would have to, you know, move countries or whatever. And, and I was not ready to do that just yet. Yeah. So I, I had to, uh, uh, to pick a, uh, a different job uh, just to maintain myself and, you know, kept doing some 3D in the, in the meantime. Uh, so at the, at the start, I had some material uh, from the AAA industry that I could put on the portfolio, which is still on there, because I'm still proud of of being able to, uh, yeah, to say that I, I worked on on a AAA title. Uh, but eventually, you know, that that information becomes irrelevant again because it was so long ago. 
Right. I mean, it's nice to to show off that you have some experience, but and now now I'm back at that that spot again where you know the career picks up again. You know, there's more work for me, um, but I can't show it off just yet. <laughs> and that happened back in in the Killzone days as well. Uh, we we had to wait after the release uh, before we could put our stuff up. And, you know, even that stuff would be curated by the, the leads or whatever to, to see if that was, you know, uh, fit for a portfolio. But yeah, I'm, also, I'm definitely looking forward to, to putting some new stuff on there. You're also in, in, a, in an interesting kind of like, uh, I guess, niche of the game design community, whereas like your your portfolio and the things that you've accomplished do not really hinge on whether or not the project as a whole is successful or good. Mm-hmm. Uh, most I'm, I'm very confident everything you're currently doing will be, but uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like if, if the game's a huge flop and no one ever heard of it, but you still did some really amazing stuff and you put that in your portfolio, it's like, Oh, this looks really good. What was that from? And you're like, Oh, some game mm-hmm. you never heard of. It doesn't matter. It's like, it definitely sounds better. You know, like uh like someone like general Vivi, you know, or it's like, well, what did you do? It was like, well, I worked on call of duty and doom mm-hmm. and blah, like, I mean, that sounds nice and all, but like, and I'm not disparaging because he did some amazing level design for all of those things regardless of how i feel about the games but mm-hmm. like it it's not like the most important thing uh, it's it's not yeah and you know back back in the day when uh, when i was working there I, I would feel like oh shit man i made it you know i'm in the AAA industry that's that's awesome but that stuff wears off really quickly and then you realize that nobody in your environment actually cares about all that stuff. And then you wake right. up and you're like, shit, they're actually right. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just work. I mean, it's, it's good. You know, it's a, it's an important title and it, it'll help you on your career, but um, it is not something uh, that is worth developing a big ego for, you know, <laughs> just, yeah. just stay normal and, and don't feel like a superstar because you're not. Because you're easily replaceable, and and uh, I feel my line of work is especially vulnerable to that, because there are so many people that that make art for video games, and it's very easy to to be replaced, you know. And, and the the next line of people are already waiting for you know their yeah. spot at the table. So there's a lot of young gotta gotta stay humble always but there's also like the the human aspect that's not just the work that you do. I'd rather work with someone who's like not a rock star like not the best in the world it is like there's like a i'm not sure if you've ever heard this before but like the idea of a a teammate or an employee like you need someone who is two out of three of like they're prompt they're fun to be around and they're good at their job and you can be two of those at any given time without the third and usually get along just fine so if you're cool to be around and you're really good at your job but you're you know we have to kind of expect that you're going to show up to work late sometimes, eh, whatever, you know, not a big deal. Uh, if you're a what? total asshole and you're really, but you're really, really fucking good at your job and you're always on time. It's like, well, we'll tolerate you being an asshole to some extent. But yep. if you, you know, if all you do is show up to work and you don't get shit done and you're not fun to be around then you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. No one's going to notice you. So you'll, you'll definitely be gone. But the people that that's, that's around, true though just we we all genuinely like value each other and especially like you're you're, you've been around for like as long as since before i ever even got to this dreaming about this point i was just like that guy clearly has something going like you Mm -hmm. not only were you talented but you're also being recognized for that talent and 
people like you and that's good. That's a big part of the puzzle. Yeah. I I always like to, uh, to fit in with people. You know, I, I'm one of those guys that likes that, that everyone uh, wants to hang out with, you know, I I just want people to, to like me and, you know, I I don't like to, uh, to be around drama or, you know, to fight with people, you know, that's, that's just not worthy of my energy. So yeah, naturally I just try to, to get along with everyone and it doesn't always work. Uh, but, but I can separate it onto a level where you can, you know, tolerate someone else, you know, despite someone having a different opinion, you know, or, or different outlook on life, it doesn't matter, you know, as long as you respect each other, it, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a good trait to have. Maybe, maybe it's also, uh, a little bit dangerous, you know, because if, if you're this nice and or gullible, you're like a yes man, you know, people can and probably will take advantage of you so you definitely have to you know be uh vigilant of, of that but yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> so far you know who are like snakes in the grass that so they're like they're yes. like trying to charm their way to the top without ever actually doing the you know, yeah the, those are the people that you know hang around streamers or big artists you know just to to, to say like hey man i i've got this contact within the industry you know uh, mm-hmm. and, and and try to weasel their way uh, in in with the, with that kind of politics and I, i'm not about that you know i genuinely care for for the people that i'm around you know if i support a streamer or another artist you know i'm i'm there 100 you know i support your work i love what you're doing you know i just rub off some of that inspiration onto me you know <laughs> and let me get going as well but yeah ever, since since i joined 3dr i mean most of the people that i i came across are just similar in, in, in terms of passion, uh, skill level, and just good people to hang around. It's, it's, it's been great so far. To get back to your, uh, your conundrum with, you know, not being able to show off the work that you've done yet. Um, so when I was, I was about 20 years old and I met this guy who was a, he was a master sergeant in the air force and he was like, I, I guess he was a, he was a special operator at some point. And he was wearing his dress uniform and his ribbon rack. I shit you not. It looked like the cover of a textbook. Like it was huge. Like all of these awards he had. And obviously all the young dudes are like coming up and like, Oh, what did you do for that one? And this one? And like, how many do you have? And, and he explained at some point, he's like, I have a lot, a lot more than this that will not be attributed to me until like a hundred years after I'm dead because there were classified missions and things yep. like that. And it's like, so it's not that bad, you know, at least, <laughs> at least you'll get to like live to see the day. But, oh. Yeah. And some, sometimes you also have to, to, to twist your way of thinking. Like it, it's not always necessary for, you know, your peers to give you that recognition. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have to love yourself enough. Like, okay, I've, I've managed to achieve this, you know, um, I can give myself a pat on the back, you know? And, and turn that around because if, if you mainly go in the other direction, you know, it, it'll get you to a point where if you don't get your recognition or, you know, your artwork doesn't do as well on social media, for example, it will drag you down, you know, and that's, that's not healthy. I, uh, actually was just part of a, like a simulcast, uh, stream podcasting yesterday with Matt Tropiano and Bridgeburner and we were you know, Matt is incredible. He worked on adventures of square and Doombringer, and he's been a staple in the doom modding community since like probably before I was born or some shit, but <laughs> he, 
he did this talk like five years ago that was like his like what did i learn from 20 years of doom modding and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and he pointed out in the interview that he at the time he said that people are motivated or at least he was motivated by you know the acceptance of his peers and recognition and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and now he says like he's like if i could go back and change one thing about that talk i would say i don't do it necessarily because i want people to look at my work and say you did great work he's like i do it because i love it and yeah. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Yep. Um, but it's, you know, people get motivation from different places and, but it can be, it can be a trap, I guess, if you, if you are only working because you want other people to recognize you, like to, yep. again, to use the, the analogy to an actor, it's like, if you don't get that recognition, then you're failing in your industry period. <laughs> so it's yeah. hard and it it becomes very like unhealthy and codependent i think it is and i've i've fallen into the trap as well i mean you you got to experience it once or twice you know in order for you to to get over it and 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 see things from a different perspective um cuz yeah unfortunately I, I i had the exact same thing you know i was making artwork uh, based on on uh, the, the the warcraft universe you know i love that stuff and you know, it it was just not doing as yeah. well as, as other people's work that were visually uh, less appealing to me personally. Mm-hmm. So I was always like, am I doing something incorrectly? Is, is my artwork, you know, not good enough? And it, it just makes you doubt yourself, you know, and, and you'll get in a, in a really bad spot where you're no longer motivated to, to create some more artwork. And it's not a good spot to be in. You 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 really need to let that go and, and not let other people, you know, dictate what is good and what isn't good. You know, you you need to do it from from your own perspective. You know, your own uh, passion for the things that you're creating. You know, if you're um, um, you know, if, if you accept the things that you you work on, you know, and it's it's nice, it's fine. You know, you're uh, you're fine with it. That that should the only that should be the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not all going to be bangers, but you know. But still, you know, it's it's nice to get some recognition uh, from from time to time from other people. But yeah, I think everybody wants an attaboy. You know, everybody wants. Like, of course, yeah, I, I want I want to sh- you know call my dad on a Sunday and be like, guess what I did? And he's like, that's amazing. I'm proud of you. Like everybody wants that. Of course, I mean, people who don't yeah, get we, that we tend to that. be very damaged in some yeah. way. You know, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's about. If I if I were doing in the keep podcast, trying to you know make a lot more or like do really well, high numbers and all that kind of thing, I'd probably interview people that I don't find very interesting but are famous because it's a yep. big networking thing. Exactly. Uh, but, but, I, uh, I would never be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think my portfolio speaks for itself. Whereas, like you know, there's the there's the, big, the big boys. You know, your once in a while you get a Cliffy B or something like that. But I'm interested in people, and I'm interested in people like you and people like. I don't know, Uber Gawai, if I can ever get him to come on, like just like, <laughs> these really, really talented individuals who like could, I think people could benefit from learning from the way that you guys think, because it's not this entirely like I'm seeking recognition based thing. It's like, a, right. I just l- love what I do. Yeah. And the, the thing with, you know, interviewing all those, uh, Goliath, uh, you know, people, you know, it's, it's like everyone has heard their story um, at, at some point in their life, you know, there's, there's not yeah. much new that they can share with the world. Um, even though it's still nice to, to listen to, uh, Romero t- doing his talk, you know, uh, whoever, you know, it's, it's, it's great to, to listen to them. Um, 
but yeah, just like you said, I mean, I'm also interested in, in other people, you know, what makes them tick, uh, what, what brought them to this point in their lives, you know, and how, how can I learn from that person? Um, and, and, you know, what I like to do best is try to give back to the community as well. You know, if, if someone is struggling with a piece of artwork, hey, man, send me a message and I'll, I'll try to, to see if I have some pointers for you, you know, and yeah. I would expect the, the other way around as well. If, if someone looks at my stuff and he's like, or, or she's like, hey, um, these are points that you could probably do to, to make it pop even more. I'd be open to that. I would, I would love that. So what was like the moment when you realized that you were meant to be an artist? Oh, good question. Um, I don't know. Um, I guess you'll just roll into these things. Um, it, it started out for me, like finding out that you could make your own models for Counter-Strike back in the day. You know, that blew my mind. And I was like, always interested in, in how people would make games. Um, as a kid, I always wondered like, hey man, how are these people cramming a game into a cartridge for your Super Nintendo? How is that done? I could not wrap my head around, you know, how that worked. So when I learned that you could use like a, a very simple program to, to create your own um, custom models for Counter-Strike, I was like, I'm, I'm getting in on that. You know, uh, look up some tutorials, uh, just just mess around, uh, you know, get get all that stuff in there. And it just made me realize that, you know, whatever I was doing uh, was, was a lot of fun, just a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And it just went on from there, you know, I, I practiced more and more and, and it became higher quality and yeah. I guess that's when, when I realized, okay, I, I might have a knack for this. Mm -hmm. Let, let's just continue and see where it brings me. So, and here we are. <laughs> the, so is there like any, so you're making models for Counter-Strike, but were there any other things that like kind of stood out to you about artwork and games that like made you think like, I'd be really good at that in particular, or was it like a slow iterative thing? Yeah, I, I would say the latter. Okay. Um, I, I was always um, very, very interested in drawing as well. Uh, yeah. Like I would mimic drawings from uh, Disney stuff or whatever, uh, Mario. I would draw the hell out of him. Um, I just wanted to do something, you know, that resembled that a little bit. So maybe that's why, you know, the hand painting stuff is, is coming more naturally to me now. And it wasn't always like that, though. At, at the very start... You know, all my hand-painted stuff looked very flat, you know, solo colors and not the right details or, you know, the look and feel of it was just not correct. And, yeah, it's just an iterative process, you know. You just have to go through the motion and, and just practice a lot, basically. Uh, up until a, a point where you no longer, well, that's, that's not entirely correct. You do still need to look at reference photos. Um, mm -hmm. Always do that, but... It, it would come more naturally to me. I would not have to look up pictures of metal, for example. You know, I could do that from memory or, you know, wing it and, and see if it looks good and believable. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, basically just that. I mean, just practice and, and noticing that some things are, you know, coming more naturally than, than others. And that's where I focus that. So I, I wouldn't be particularly great at characters, especially the the high fidelity stuff. That's just mm -hmm. not for me. I mean, the, the the low fidelity stuff, low poly, I could probably get away with 
you know, because silhouette and stuff is, is still important. Uh, and it's, hmm, I wouldn't say it's easier to do with a low res model, right. but it's easier to maintain. Like there's less vertices that you have to move around. So uh, you got to make them count. And I do think I have a, a knack for that. <laughs> yeah. There's something about that, that specialization that, is really reflected in like the complexity of the art you're trying to create. So it's like mm -hmm. working on bigger and bigger games. Like there's, yep. you know, you, you can't just be the artist of a giant game. You have to be part of a team of who all have their own sort of department and, and thing. And yep. what reminds me of is like in uh, the Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan has like an entire CG team dedicated to his wiener. <laughs> and that's just <laughs> like hilarious to me, but like that somebody has to do it. Yeah. That's but, true. Um, do you think that progression and skill as an artist is inherently tied to an increase in complexity? Or are there like basic skills that are kind of fundamentally go across the spectrum, right? So you mentioned you're, you don't mm -hmm. feel that you're good at like these high fidelity character work type things. Um, is that something that you strive for or is that something that's just like not your preference? Yeah, it's, it's not something that I strive for. And it's, yeah. I, I would, I would find it interesting to, to do at some point. Uh, I mean, I, I do have some books lying around for anatomy and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's hard to, to find the time to sink into it, you know, and, and get, get down deep into the nitty gritty of, of how it all works, you know, how it's supposed to look. Um, the, the type of software that you need to uh, make your own in order to, to create those high fidelity artworks. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for me, I just decided that's, that's not my path. Uh, I'll, I'll gladly do, you know, hard surface stuff, uh, environments, uh, vehicles, whatever. Um, but yeah, characters is, is, is not my main thing. So when you're, but, yeah. uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just trying to get back to your, your earlier question about, you know, the fundamentals and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard for me to, to, to answer that because most of that, um, that, that feel that you have, like if you see someone that is super talented, um, you know, you think like, okay, someone was, was born that way, you know, they're extremely talented, you know, they don't have to, to work as hard, but I don't believe that to be true. I mean, they can be very, very excellent at their craft but it would still require a lot of practice and all that stuff. So it, it mm -hmm. it's, it's partially true, you know, that some people do have a knack for certain things. I mean, you know, uh, an, an athlete, you know, excels at their sport while other people would have to work 10 times as hard to, to reach that level, you know, or they work 10 times as hard, but don't even get close to that level, you know? And I think that's the same thing for, for artists as well. You know, some people just have a certain knack for things that, just come naturally or feels like it comes naturally but you know in all in all cases you know a lot of effort and and practice is is always involved yeah it's it's weird because you know, we have this sort of thing in our mind about like you know art is subjective and it is you know in the eyes of the beholder and it's like you know this thing that can't be defined or constrained or you know what's what's good versus what's not good but then there are like fundamental skills that apply to your job that you do have to understand so like as you as you mentioned with anatomy like understanding that and how the how the skeleton works and how it looks when it's iterated in the computer and in different graphical settings and all of these things are like you have to take into consideration 
And I'm, I'm curious, like when you're, when you're working, you know, as like a senior artist with a team of other artists, like, how do you, how do you assess or convey these things with other people? Um, yeah, the, the main route for that is it's just feedback sessions and, and mm-hmm. just, you know, discuss what, what it needs to, to look like. Um, of course, you know, looking up reference pictures and, and just trying to, to research what that object or human is, is supposed to look like. And that, that, that ranges, you know, from, from type of model or texture as well. You know, uh, it, it, could, it could matter uh, if, if a character has like an extra polygon somewhere, you know, that builds up a certain silhouette. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the same thing could be said for an inanimate object. You know, like like a crate. I mean, that's that's one of the easiest examples. I mean, it's just a, a cube. You know, but if it it becomes more uh, complex, you would still have to research. Like, okay, how how does wood react to a specific uh, environment, like snow, for example? How how would that look? You know, so you would still have to go in and and research materials. You know, how is it built up? Um, for example, metal. You know, what type of metal is it? You know, is it very rough? Is it not rough? The, the, those kind of aspects are, are always there and yeah. it's it's something uh, if, if you work with a, a team of, of different levels of, of skill sets and, and knowledge you, you would just have to to go in and, and you know just provide feedback wherever you can you know and that 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 is something that 3dr does really well um, there is of course a hierarchy in terms of you know who who pulls the strings and and who has the last say but um, I, I do find that you know the the entire environment is is more loose in that that everyone can voice their opinion on a specific art piece or you know a specific decision on on gameplay or whatever, and I do feel you know that brings out the best in people. You know the the, the best examples and the best feedback comes from those kind of sessions, and I love it. Yeah, most of the senior staff at 3DR, and I think this is one of the things that makes it really special in particular talking about like the last several years worth of like what games have come out are very comfortable um, delegating work to someone who they think is an expert in the subject. So it's like, you know, we're going to make a game in the quake engine or whatever, or we're going to make a game that, you know, it's level in Graven's case, like the levels are designed with trench room, just like in quake and then port it to unreal. But you, you end up okay, well who would be the best to do that? And it's easy to say like, oh, we'll just hire a bunch of level designers and teach them how to, you know, use this tool. But in their case, they were like, well, let's go to the Quake community and find all the best Quake mappers. So now we've got like Jose and Dump Truck and like all, all these amazing people who have years and years of experience making levels in that engine or, you know, in that style. And, yeah. and they just pull from that resource and that cr- overall you get a much better problem. Um, you get, you get a way better product, in my opinion. And I think we yeah. touched on that a bit earlier. It's just like, these are the people who are good at it. They're, they're very passionate at what they're doing. And, you know, they, they are very, uh, very efficient in their tooling, you know, so mm-hmm. it's easier to, to get them up to speed. Now, there, there are still some, uh, some roadblocks, you know, you, you would still have to, to teach them, you know, how Unreal Engine works, for example. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a slight overlap in, you know, their... Uh, their comfort zone, so to speak, and and that part outside of it, uh, which yeah. which still remains a challenge at times. But uh, it, it's just so great to see that you know people with with passion for whatever they're doing. You know, it's uh, it's something that really shows in in their work. You know, and and I think Graven will will definitely benefit from that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it 
it, it is in that style, so to speak, but the way that the game works is fundamentally so different than your Quake that it's like you kind of have to rethink, you have to, you know, reinvent the wheel almost and like, how do we do this? How do we make this big interconnected sort of thing? Uh, Wrath is another game that has like very, uh, a very particular level design style that is, you know, iterative of its creator, but yep. not every mapper makes that sort of thing. So you have uh, it's, with, it, it, yeah. it goes even deeper than that. I mean, even the tools that are being used, um, mm-hmm. I mean, Transbroom is something, you know, that, that most people would probably uh, be able to jump into, you know, and get, get working in it within no time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the tools that they're using is a little bit older. Um, the, the knowledge of those tools, you know, is, is not as widespread as, you know, the Quake community uh, with Transbroom is, for example. So there's a lot of challenges in, in, in working, you know, with, with old style uh, engines and or, you know, techniques. And that, that's the same here as well. You know, it's really challenging to, to create something that feels um, like it, it came out in, in the 90s or early th- 2000s, for example. But yeah, you, you do have all these modern tools that you need to, you know, bend in order to, to get that fidelity. And well, you know, even in the in the case of Graven, you know, the, a game back then would probably not look as good as Graven does right now. Uh, there, there's still that extra layer, you know, of care and and next level, unreal trickery. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there there's a lot that goes in uh, behind the scenes for sure. What are what are some of the things in Graven that you've like found to be rewarding or challenging? Um, like objects or anything that you've actually done so far? Um, trying to, to, to make sure that you hit that style. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's stylized enough, but it's also rooted in, you know, um, realistic stuff. I mean, if you look at uh, Benjamin's work, he, he did most of the textures for, for the levels. Right. And, and all that stuff is, is done in, in, in substance designer and all that. And, it just looks so, so good. I mean, wood reads as wood, metal reads as metal, stone as stone. You know, it's, it's, it's fantastic to see. And just trying to, to make sure that your stuff hits that same fidelity and, and doesn't have um, more of a cartoony vibe to it in, in right. comparison to the rest, that, that's definitely a challenge. Um, but yeah, the, the entire atmosphere, the music, the, the enemy design, uh, the yeah, the look and feel of the game just just resonated with me. It's just yeah, it's right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that you see in uh, animation teams and comic book artists as well. Is like that you you can't just like frame by frame change the art style. So like we have to all unify on one person's thing, or like maybe our a collection of all of our things, but make it all look the same throughout the entirety of it to in order for it to come across the right way or else it just looks like this weird hodgepodge and yeah. uh, that that from my outside looking in sounds unbelievably frustrating for an artist to do is like to it is super hard work yeah because there there's a, a a lot of different hands that are involved in, in that project mm-hmm. and each and every one has a slightly different workflow and a slightly different style Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to to make sure that each and every one works in unison in, in that sense that, you know, if you play the game, you will not be able to see which artist worked on, you know, a specific item or environment. 
Right. You know, you really need to make sure that everything just feels like it's done by just one artist. And that's always a challenge. It's still a, it's still beautiful. And it's amazing that it's being, you know, slowly but surely it's, it's just happening. And like, I, I remember, I, I think I got into the Graven discord, like really early for like, just like an, a fly on the wall kind of situation. Yep. And I was just like, what is this? What are you guys doing? <laughs> this is so weird. And then when I finally got my hands on it, I was just like, oh, now I get it. Like, this is really, really cool. But like, it's, it's a game that's hard to explain because yep. it's, it doesn't really fit into any particular genre. Like, isn't it? It's not really an immersive sim. It's not really an RPG. It's also really not a first person shooter, but it's got all of these elements. Definitely not a yeah. first person shooter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's just, but it functions like one, like you're, you're in, yep. the, you're moving around like you're in Quake and you're, it, but yeah, I mean, is Skyrim a first-person shooter because it's first-person and you can shoot in it? Like, I don't know. Like, but it's not. That's not what kind of game. Yeah, it's it's a bit more nuanced than that, I think. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's it's something that you know continuously gets gets better uh, with time. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, Graven is out in early access. Um, it's it's followed up by the the demo real real quickly. You know, so everything that we had to to make uh, to to work for that demo. Uh, had to be refactored later on. So slowly on, we're we're going to you know improve the the look and feel and how it plays. Uh, so it's 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 been a challenge and it will continue to be a challenge, but in in the best way possible. Yeah. And, and, so and just like you uh, you said earlier, you know, like uh, every every piece of art, you know, is is also in in the eye of the beholder. Right. And I think for for most cases, you know, uh, your personal preference is is definitely something that that weighs uh, pretty pretty heavy. Uh, but I do think that you know there's there's something to be said about you know the quality, even though you might not like you know the pixely style or you know, but you you can't deny that you know that there's not a lot of love gone into the product and it doesn't look good in its own right. So yeah, I do hope that you know people are more open uh, to, to those kind of things, even though it's, it's not their style. But yeah. Well, so when you're sorting through the feedback, you know, cause like when it, when early access first hit, I mean, it obviously it was not like the best early access release in the world. Uh, but you know, whatever you can recover from that. Sure. Um, and I'm sure it will, but you, you actually read because I did, I went on steam and I just started reading the negative reviews to say like, what are these people actually saying? And oftentimes mm-hmm. because it's very binary with steam, it's like either thumbs up or thumbs down. You know, there's no in between, yep. there's no like scaling, you know, whatever, which I understand why they don't do that because then you end up with people who just put 10 for good and one for bad. And there's no in between anyway. Um, but the negative reviews, there's some criticism that is like fundamental to the game where it's like, this makes sense. Like, you know, the, the enemy's not behaving the way that they're supposed to or something like that or, you know, or really fundamental shit like the game crashes or, you know, something like that, that stuff holds up, but then complaining because it's like, I don't like this art style. I was like, well, why'd you buy the fucking game? Like that's my point of view is like, you're, you're complaining about a product that you didn't even want in the first place. And I don't, get why that why, why do we even take that into account and we shouldn't honestly but it is odd um, yeah it's it's something that i don't spend a lot of time doing uh basically yeah. uh just to protect myself you know if i see all that toxicity out there uh, which is not justified uh, i do have to, to to add um it's it's not good for me because i i get worked up over it you know if, if people are in the wrong 
um, you know, people got to realize that there's a lot of people working, you know, day and night to to get, you know, a great game out there. Mm. And I, I feel that there's not enough respect for, you know, the developers of a game, you know, even though someone might not like the product or whatever. I mean, it's all fine. Um, but yeah, that that's why I don't really look at, you know, the, the, the Steam pages or whatever, since it's all... Oh, it sucks, you know, and there's no uh, constructive criticism in there. Yeah. That's a shame. You, you see it all over the place, too. I'm really comfortable with... First of all, I'm not emotionally attached to the project. Like, I didn't do anything for it, so there's that. And, but I'm really comfortable, like, sorting through criticism to find what is the constructive part of it. Because it could be that... You know, you see all this negative shit and you just say like, okay, that's negative. But when you actually look at it, like I said, it's just like, oh, well, there's really not that much wrong here. It's just yep. people who are angry, which is fine. Like they can be angry. It's a free, well, I was going to say it's a free country, but it's being sold mm-hmm. over the world. <laughs> um, but just in general, like uh, people have very different ways of expressing themselves. And I am pretty comfortable with just sorting out the wheat from the chaff in that way. Um and also it's just so useful because I think I've desensitized to it. Like, honestly, sometimes mm. I'll just sit down and I'll read like the comments on my YouTube channel. And it's very rare that anybody, like at least so far, fingers crossed that you get like that really shitty negative stuff on in the keep. Because I don't, I feel like the kind of people who listen to the show in general, like if you're going to take the time to listen to it, you're probably yeah, you're not, an, mm-hmm. yeah, or, or, or you're not an idiot. I mean, I would, I would hope, um, <laughs> But then, like, like Cliff Cliff Blazinski was a good example of like these people are not coming here because they like in the keep. They're coming here to shit on him specifically because they hate him. They're looking yeah. up his name every day trying to find a new reason to hate this guy. And yeah, whatever, you know, I, you can't put a lot of uh, stock in that. No, no, I, that that's definitely true. And and you know, we we do have people that look through every every single comment just to, to pick out anything, you know, that's worth. Uh, relaying back to the team in order to, to fix or you know change whatever. So there there's definitely that, but yeah, personally I I don't really like to to mix in. You know I I kind of stay out of the social media circle uh, in that mm-hmm. regards as well. I, I just don't want that drama. You know. <laughs> I mean I I don't pay ignorance is bliss. Drama. If I see I, I saw this recently, like a friend of mine was obviously having a bad day, right? And then he went on one of these Twitter rants where it's just like, I like, you know, just, just vomiting their feelings out into mm-hmm. the world. And I just, okay. Well, first of all, I didn't want to see that, but like, you're my friend. So, well, Hey, are you okay? Let's talk in private. Let's not do this whole thing. And, nope. and I, but people do that so much. I don't understand personally. Yeah. I don't understand the need to do that. It feels so un, like just not constructive at all. Especially if it's like, because you're using social media in a professional sense, mm-hmm. you don't want to show th- that to the world. You know, it makes you vulnerable. And it does. Yep. I would, I would prefer like, hey, if you go, if you're going through something, Dennis, like, just, just give me a call. You know, I'd way rather us do that than to see you <laughs> or anyone. Yeah, it, it, it depends on, on the, the, the things that you're struggling with. Like, uh, for, for example, you know, a couple of days ago, was my, uh, my computer uh, went on the fritz, you know, I had to fix it. You know, I, I did make a tweet about that, but it's, it's pretty, pretty um, innocent, yeah. so to speak. And it's, it's not anything. You now, for, for example, I would not tweet about 
uh, anything if I were struggling with a mental health issue. Right. You know, I would not, I would not hang out the dirty laundry like that, you know, or, or I, like I would keep your, that behind doors. Your personal stuff, like your friends or your family kind of stuff like that. Just, to me, that yeah. doesn't belong there. Like, no. ha- like, Hey, here's a picture of me and my wife having a good time. All right. See you later. Like that's one thing, but not like I'm so broken and my heart is destroyed because something happened or whatever. And like, now yeah. I can't. And then like three days later when you were like, try to act normal, it's like, well, everyone saw that. And I don't know how we're supposed to feel about it. Yeah. It, um, it, it won't help you. Not at all. And there's another thing that I learned uh, actually from starlight skies when she was on the show, um, really brilliant marketing director. Um, but the, the concept of like separating your brand from you, Mm-hmm. you know? And so like for the longest time I was, I hate social media. Like I didn't, um, I had deleted all of it. Like when I was maybe 20 years old or something like that, I was like, I'm not fucking with this shit anymore. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it became necessary for in the keep. So I had the in yep. the keep account on Twitter and, but then it became this sort of problem where I couldn't communicate with people on a personal level through that account, because then it's just like, why is this brand speaking to me? Like it's a person. And that yeah. creates this juxtaposition or, or, you know, you end up talking about things that aren't relevant. So then I made my own account so that I, you know, if I want to <laughs> reply to Rotten Rose about like, Hey, look at my garden or something like that, then mm-hmm. it's not Catholic speaking. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a fine line. Cause it's um, probably easier to, to do because, you know, uh, in the keep is, is a brand, mm-hmm. you know, I don't see my artwork being a brand for me in, in mm-hmm. particular. I mean, I do use it um, to to do some networking, you know, and occasionally show off some some private artwork. Uh, but I also still reply to people that I follow and and, and care for, you know. But yeah, um, if if I do uh, create like a, a specific brand, you know, if I were to create a, a video game on my own, uh, I would definitely make uh, a very specific Twitter handle just for that, you know, and keep whatever personal interaction with other people to a minimum. Right. Uh, so that's that's definitely good advice. Well, yeah, I, I, my uh, my social media presence is is very low. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, <laughs> if if people never saw any of my artwork. I mean, who cares? You know, I'm I'm not too big on on social media anyway. But it's it's nice to have, you know, because there's a lot of people that you can reach. Yeah. When you're building a brand, it's like within the keep, it's like, I do want, I definitely want to more people every day to know that this podcast exists. And my motivation yeah. for that is not only my own, but like, I want people to hear you talk about this stuff. Like, and I want to give them that opportunity to do so. So it sort of has to be structured on this, like, at least up to a certain sustainable amount growth. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I don't give a shit how many people follow me personally. I just want to like, yeah. see what my friends are up to. Or, or be able to <laughs> add an extra like and retweet to every in the keep post. <laughs> if that, yeah, and, and and that you know that kind of brings us back to the the, the point that we we made earlier about you mm-hmm. know recognition, all that stuff. You know, the, the whole like uh, business or you know interactions. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's necessary at some some point. I mean, you do have to reach your people. You know, if you you see a job offer, for example, I mean. Yeah. That's that's just a great place to uh, yeah to to grow your network you know and and uh, increase the chances that you will see a tweet that is for you 
you know, with a job offer or whatever, you know, or you, you discover a new artist that inspires you. I mean, that's, that's just wonderful. I mean, that's the, okay. the only good thing about it. It's, it's sometimes a little bit odd to see, you know, artists go on a political rant uh, or whatever, you know, I, I would prefer if, if people would, you know, separate that as well, but what can you do? <laughs> yeah, I remember, uh, I think two good examples are like John St. John and Vince Desi, mm. right? Who both have their perspective and all yep. that. But I'm like, you know, I followed you because I wanted to hear about like Duke Nukem and your cruises and shit. And like, I don't necessarily want to see this uh, political tirade about what mayor of what city you think should be dead or what. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, yeah. But it's still funny, you know, but it's like kind of like, that's not what I tuned in for. No, exactly. And it's, it's hard, you know, especially for. Um, a character that is that is older now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we we haven't really seen anything Duke Nukem related in in a long time. So, right. if you if you follow him for for that kind of stuff, you like voice voice stuff. That's that's great. But yeah, if if you constantly <laughs> get bombarded by political stuff, that's mm, I, I would mute someone for that and until they came to their senses, you know. And <laughs> when I. Uh... When I, especially because those guys are getting up there in age, like Vince is, you know, he's old. <laughs> Love you, Vince. But it's just like he doesn't give a shit anymore. What anybody? I, I can't wait to get to that point. Where it's like, I don't give a fuck what you think about me. I am just gonna say what I feel like. You know, like Grandpa, you know, who comes in and says something at the dinner table, and you're like. All right. Well, yeah. I still love you because you're my grandpa. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you 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 do get that to that point uh, pr- pretty early on. At least for me, um, I, I used to be very conscious about you know how it looked and whatever. You know, I'm a skinny guy. Always had some flack about that, but eventually you you get to a point where stuff like that no longer bothers you. You know, and you you realize, hey man, I don't give a fuck what people think. You know, and of course there are still you know, like a separation between me going political and whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I would not be as, as free in that regards. You know, I, I'm still holding back on, on those kind of things, even though I do have my own opinions and whatever, but I'm, I'm not ready to share those yet. <laughs> I want to be like my grandpa. He's just like, he is, he's just not trying to impress anyone. He, he wakes up in the morning, he puts on his cut off, jean short shorts with his pockets and his boxers hanging out the bottom and his big straw hat and jumps on a tractor and drives around the yard with a case of beer and he's just like fuck it his belly belly hanging out chest hair four inches away from (laughs) him (laughs) just so funny yeah there there, there will definitely be a point in your life where you can get away with that you know you no longer need to to find uh, a partner at some point you know you'll you'll be settled down you know have a family or whatever and that's when you can let yourself go, if you like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, there there is a certain like comfort in that. Like I, one of the guys, I think he'll be the podcast directly after yours. But it's a comedian named uh, Chris Heist, mm. and he's like, oh, when he's on stage, he's literally like just just giant. He looks like a hobo, like just raggedy shirt, and his jeans are literally falling apart, and he's barefoot. I mean, he literally looks like a hobo, but like that's kind of part of his character. Oh, it's part of his personality, but his mm-hmm. character as a comedian that like this really brings you into this guy's head. And it is that like, I don't care what anyone thinks, fuck society, <laughs> like all that kind of thing. I, I can't, I'm really looking forward to interviewing him. But. It's, it's good though, because, you know, yeah. we, we are so caught up with, 
um, aesthetics, you know, in terms of uh, fashion, um, equipment, and like people are going crazy over Apple related uh, gadgets and whatnot. Uh, big ass brands, you know, the Gucci's or whatever. <laughs> it, it's, it, it means so little to me. I mean, it's, it's nice to have, but, you know, I wouldn't go out of my way to, to, to hit that lifestyle like that, that. That's not for me. You know, so I get that, you know, I don't give a fuck what people think. You know, I'll, I'll wear whatever I want. You know, I don't, I don't care if it looks fashionable or not. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I, I definitely get that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm really utilitarian in the way that I dress usually. Like, I don't really, I, I mean, I want to look good. Don't get me wrong. I'm trying, mm-hmm. trying to look good, but like, I, I'm just like, you know. I'd rather my, my clothes be like a uniform where I just wake up and I don't have to think about it. I just grab them out of the closet and no matter what it matches and I'm good. And that is generally how I go through life. Um, <laughs> I'm actually transitioning, you know, now with the, I'm used to wearing a uniform to work every day. And now I have to mm-hmm. like, Oh, I gotta like wake up and choose, but just, I literally grab shit out of my hamper, like pants, check shirt, check underwear, check. All right, we're done. Sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally, I'm I'm awake enough where you you look in your closet and you're like, okay, I have this great pants now. Uh, I'll yeah. probably look for a color that goes well with that. You know? I'm colorblind, so like everything I have is black or, or blue jeans. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that might make it easier as well. I mean, just have black or whatever in there. Yeah. Whatever you pick is good. Makes it simple for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? But yeah, uh, it's it's just good, you know. Just wake up, grab some stuff out of your closet, and, and just go about your business. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really matter to me. I mean, the the only time that I actually do care about what I wear um, is is when there is a, a specific occasion, like a um, a marriage or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You suit up, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or you know, we uh, we used to. Uh, dress up with the the family uh, during Christmas. Uh, we, we we would all go in in very very neat outfits and whatever. You know, it was a thing. But yeah, other than that, I would I would only wear it very very rarely. <laughs> and and yeah. just just like you said, man, you you want to look presentable. Like I I wouldn't go out without you know combing my hair or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I would not go out of my way to try and be like the next model or whatever, you know, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, is there a particular like IP or brand that you dream of doing artwork for? Hmm. I, I don't know. There, there are a lot of games that, you know, had their, their highs already. Mm hmm. And like like the Metal Gear Solid series, you know, it, yeah. it it's no longer where where it used to be. Uh, I would have loved to uh, to to be able to work on on a title like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, a, a lot of stuff that we're we're doing right now at Three R is is pretty much where where I want to be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um. That's a tough question, actually. I find it interesting. Like I, I'm pretty big on like I there's I love nostalgia and all that. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I, I like new ideas and I like yeah create like that's what I'm looking for usually. And like so, I was interviewing uh, Jeremy Alessi, who's making a uh, uh, this really cool software that allows you to like 
stream your game, like your ROM library or whatever mm-hmm. to other people. Okay. And they, you can play multiplayer and shit. But anyway, that's, that's not the point that he, he's entire life was very focused on. He wanted to work on Nintendo stuff and it's kind of still eating him at this point because he's like, that's mm. not something he was able to do for whatever reason. And and I worry about that because I, I, I like your perspective is like, I'm just kind of happy to be doing what I'm doing and not like striving towards like, I need to, you know, work on metal gear solid or whatever, but Hey, there's combustion, which is metal gear furry. That, that's, that's true. I mean, there, there's always uh, opportunities that, you know, come close to whatever you want to be doing. Um, at, at some point in my life, I, I would have really liked to, to be able to work at blizzard. Uh, just oh, yeah. because I was so big on, on all their IPs like Diablo, uh, World of Warcraft. Uh, I, I just wanted to, to achieve that at some point. Um, but yeah, we, we got to make sure that, you know, the, that the bar that we set for ourselves is not too high or unattainable, you know, especially for, for a guy from, from Europe uh, to transfer over to, to America, for example. You know, there's a lot of hoops that you have to go through in order to achieve it. Uh, and I guess the same thing could be said for, you know, Nintendo, as, as most of their stuff is in-house, you know, it's, it's back in Japan or whatever, yeah. you know, and, and for a European guy or, you know, an American guy, it, it would be harder to, you know, move over and, and, and continue to work on, on something like, like that that isn't first party. Well, knowing what we now know about the work culture at Blizzard, I, I think you'd probably be happier not working there anyway. Yeah, that that's something that uh, that that definitely played into you know not me wanting to to work there any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would I would say that it started even as early as Chris Metzen leaving the studio, because yeah. uh, a, a couple of those guys there, you know, they they were my inspiration. You know, the they had some some great ideas, great stories, or whatever. Um, and and when they they started leaving. I was like, hey, this this no longer feels like the blizzard that it used to be. Um, and then my my yeah, the, the the wanting to to work there just degraded. It was just not there anymore. Plus, I I worked on some some stuff uh, in my spare time um, that that was uh, cartoony uh, in that sense. It was hand painted. Uh, a little game called Shotgun Farmers. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you ever heard of it. Uh, it's a it's a very uh, very quirky multiplayer game where you uh, play like a, a Rayman like farmer that grows his own guns. So every every weapon in the game is based on a vegetable, um, and whatever you shoot, you know, drops pellets and that grows new weaponry. Um, and and that project actually filled the void for me uh, in a sense that I could get to work on uh, on, on fantasy stuff. You know, there there was something. Uh, unique about the whole um, aspect of that game, you know. Yeah. I mean, who who has weapons that are based on vegetables and, and you know a silly uh, farmer situation? So I, I guess that you know that that made it less painful for me uh, not being able to attain it. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, there there's a lot of opportunities that that could still be out there, you know, to to get close to something uh, on, on that level. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, w- I would have loved to to have worked on uh, a, a new Zelda game, for example. You know, oh, I yeah. love Zelda. 2D, mind you. I, I do like the, the Super Nintendo era uh, way better than whatever came after, uh, even though all these games are, you know, super high quality. But that's, yeah, 
I, I would still have loved to, to have done that. And in that regards, I, I also did something similar. Uh, I worked on a dungeon set for uh, a, a pixel set that was sold on a store called BitGem. Not sure if right. you know those guys, uh, but but they are basically just a, a company that made prefab things for you know maybe prototyping or you want to make a mobile game you know and they have some assets uh, ready for you, and that that one uh, was Zelda inspired, uh, so so that was nice to do. It was pixel art, uh, so also uh, a big challenge. I mean the the hand painted style that I uh, went for, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, really really helped me achieve you know something that looked. Like it could have been in a Zelda title, yeah. So that's nice. So there, there's always something out there, you know, that uh, they can scratch that itch, so to speak. But yeah, it's it's good to have big dreams. Uh, ne- never let someone, you know, steal that from you. Uh, you gotta aim at something, you know, aim high. Uh, but yeah, do not let that be, you know, everything for you. Because if it if it doesn't work, you know, you're gonna beat yourself up. You're gonna feel like a failure, even though you're not. It's a, it's a pretty beautiful place to end it. I think, yeah. Absolutely. It's just like, but the moral of the day is like, uh, you know, love yourself and don't get too bent out of shape. Exactly. Just have some fun. You know, get out there, do some modding. You know, get some levels out there. Interact with the community. You know, and if you do provide feedback, just just try to stay, stay respectful and, and you know be mindful of, of other people's feelings. Thank you, man. This has been a real pleasure. And uh, I, I look forward to doing it again when we can spend a lot more time uh, talking about everything that you've been working on. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be here. pleasure it was to finally get to have Dennis on the podcast it's someone I've been sleeping on for like a few years now someone that I really wanted to like introduce everyone to but just you know like never found the opportunity and it happened so hey fuck it um music you're hearing right now is from the soundtrack to Graven which he's working on so make sure you go check out Graven hit up Steam buy it you son of a bitch it's in early access right now it's really good I love it uh, let's say thank you to our supporters this week. We have to. We have to, right? Uh, Shannon, Bridge, Ben, Anthony, Mike, Zan, Lord Revan, Fred, Brandy, Jack, Robert, Graceless Dragon, Red Eyes, Brad, Dots, Moose, Paul, the entire Flam Fam, which is to say Jeffrey, and Bram, and Maria, and the lovely, lovely Yanin, and also to the people who have made music for us, uh, especially Igrak, Simon, and Morpher. You're all incredible, and thank you for supporting. If you're listening to this, and you're like, how the fuck do I get my name read off on the podcast? Very simple. Head over to inthecube.com forward slash support, or just click on the support tab. And, uh, you know, these are all people who support on Patreon. So, do that, or whatever. (laughs) It's not that big a deal. Um, We also have lots of other ways that you can show some love to the show. So, like, that, you know, if you want to... Uh, I don't know, buy merchandise. There's a merch tab on our website, you know, which just goes to our Bread Bowl page. Uh, definitely get some of that sweet, sick, sexy-ass Stellar Valkyrie stuff that's currently on sale. 
um, please, because I know you want it. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to ask anything of you. You're amazing. Thank you for listening. And thank you for coming up to this point listening. Um, I love you. The Drowned God Katala loves you. Until next time, stay in the keep. <laughs>